You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the PharmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in PharmD Nation to episode number 82 of the PharmD Money Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you all for joining me today. One of the biggest questions I have gotten recently from clients and non-clients alike, just through casual conversation, is what is the investment outlook for 2023? And maybe more importantly, what is the investment outlook for the next five, six, seven, eight years, or potentially next decade? And I think this question comes to the forefront of people's minds because they think back to the year 2000 and how investment performance turned out from the year 2000 to 2010. And for those who don't remember, we went through the dot-com bubble in those first couple of years of the 2000s, and then we had the great financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And at the end of the decade, there really wasn't much to show for people in regards to rate of return because of the giant swings that happened in those indexes, specifically the S&P 500, because that gets used most often to track historic investment behavior. So again, a lot of people go, well, is that something we need to be worried about again? What is the investment outlook? And I first will state that this podcast is not investment advice. If you're looking for investment advice, hire a financial advisor or hire somebody that you trust who can provide that to you on a personalized and customized basis. What the point of this podcast is going to be is just taking a look at where we were from an investment environment standpoint, what that meant then, where we're at now, what that could mean moving forward to provide some historical context as we enter into 2023 and beyond. So to start, I think we'll look back at the last 10 years, specifically going back to 2009 to 2023 or 2022, so the last that 11-year period, as one of the most bullish and profitable periods in investment markets that we will see in a very long time. It was what they call a secular bull market, which means a lot of crazy stuff happened, but investment markets just kept going higher and higher and higher. And I think it's important to break down why that happened now that we have the benefit of looking back. And one of the biggest reasons why I think we experienced such a strong secular bull market wasn't because the economy was absolutely on fire. As a matter of fact, during that period, the economy grew quite slowly. I think the reason why we had such a great bull market run and investment performance was so good over that time period was because of low rates, low interest rates. So we had declining interest rates from that 2008-2009 great financial crisis to 2020 when the COVID lockdowns happened. And the reason for that is because the Federal Reserve came out and one of the ways they wanted to spur economic activity and keep the economy alive after the great financial crisis was to lower interest rates and hopefully inspire people to go and borrow money and then spend that money on economic outputting activity. And the best way to do that is to lower the cost of what it takes to borrow that money in the first place. So the Federal Reserve would lower those interest rates. As those interest rates would come down, economic activity would pick up. When I say economic activity, more people were borrowing money to do things. And when they go out and do things, they're actually helping the economy because they're going out and spending that money on other stuff, which circulates through the economy many times over, which boosts everybody's bottom line. 
So profitability during that period with a lot of companies was pretty good. And that low interest rate environment and a loose Federal Reserve, meaning the Federal Reserve wanted to supply the economy with money, is a tidal wave that was created that basically lifted all investment chips, so to speak, and brought a lot of prosperity from a rate of return standpoint back then. And a lot of people were able to take advantage of this low interest rate environment by either borrowing money and turning that borrowed money into some sort of profitable endeavor, whether it was buying real estate and renting it out or creating a business or whatever else. A lot of people ended up just purchasing index funds. They purchased the cheapest investment they could get their hands on, something that was extremely passive that they didn't have to worry too much about, and then just hopped on that tidal wave that was created by a loose Federal Reserve and those lower interest rates and rode that to great rates of return over the last 11 to 12 years. So knowing that that's what took place, there are a lot of other factors that we would have to consider if we did a deeper analysis. But I think that is the biggest reason why we saw such great investment performance over that time period, why volatility was pretty low during that time period, and why people experienced a lot of wealth generation over that time period was because mainly of those low interest rates. So here we sit today in 2023, after the year of 2022, when we finally see interest rates go back up and when we finally experience a tight Fed, which means the Federal Reserve wants to start restricting economic activity and pulling money out of the economy. And the reason they want to do that is because of inflation. Inflation finally hit in 2022, and the last thing the Federal Reserve wants is for inflation to stick around because that is an economic destroyer for countries. So the Federal Reserve stepped in and they increased interest rates. And as interest rates went up, investment markets dropped like a rock because that was a sign that the economy is moving toward an economic recession at some point in the future. Because history tells us when the Fed raises rates, that's usually the outcome that takes place. So 2022, interest rates go up. Inflation is trying to get beaten back and it looks like we're taking subtle steps in that direction what does that mean for 2023 and what does that mean for our long-term outlook well it is my opinion that i think the fed has to raise interest rates more than people are anticipating right now to really get inflation under control the last thing they want to happen is what happened back in the 1970s where they tried to get inflation under control it moderate it stayed at a moderate level at 4 to 6%, and then all of a sudden crept back up into double digits again, and it really ruined that decade, which was the 70s. And Paul Volcker, for those of you who don't know, was a Federal Reserve chairman who stepped in, in the late 70s and increased interest rates, I think, up into the 20s and the early 80s to finally put the kibosh on inflation. So the Federal Reserve does not want that to happen, so I think they're going to be more cautious on raising rates higher than trying to level it out, maybe even going lower, just to make sure that inflation bug is dead. So I still see inflation sticking around for the next, I would say, 12 to 18 months. And as the Fed continues to raise rates, the rates that matter to us, which are the rates we can go and borrow at for most consumers, are also going to rise. Which means that if you think buying a house right now is expensive, it could be worse in six months. If you think trying to get a loan for a car is expensive, it could be worse in six to 12 months. It may not be, but I think we're trending in that direction. And when rates are higher, again, the cost of borrowing goes up, which means a lot of economic activity in the business front starts to slow down. 
because it costs more to provide capital to these businesses in order for them to continue to grow. And if it costs more and it restricts their ability to get that capital, it means their growth is going to slow down or go backwards, which means layoffs are going to start happening more frequently, which means the economy is going to slow down and start going backwards, which is why a lot of people believe that we're going to end up in some sort of recession at some point in 2023. As rates go higher, I also think it's going to hurt investment markets in the short term because bond prices or bond interest rates are going to be higher. So a lot of pre-retirees and retirees who had to invest in stocks and equities in order to get enough compensation to live off of because interest rates are so low, low in bond investments don't have to do that anymore. Now you can get bond investments, specifically high quality bond investments that are yielding right now 4 or 5%. If you want to get a little more risky, you can get even higher than that which is enough for a lot of pre-retirees so they can moderate their portfolio a little bit and not be so aggressive in equity investments and probably take some of that risk off the table, which is going to lower investment markets just in and of itself doing that. And then finally, I think one of the big changes we're going to see, which is a cyclical change that we have seen in the past, is the preferred investment management style. So like I talked about before, because the Federal Reserve was so loose and interest rates were so low in the previous decade or in the previous 10 years, index funds made a lot of sense because they were cheap. It was the easiest, cheapest way to get access to that rising tidal wave, which was investment performance. Because interest rates have gone up, because there's inflation and there's a lot of other activity from an economic standpoint that we haven't seen in a long time, I think a little more active or semi-passive management style is going to be better off, even though it costs a little bit more compared to index funds. And the reason for that is because I think those semi-active to active investment managers or portfolios can maneuver in an environment today that will allow them to actually have an advantage because there's more pockets of underperformance and inefficiency in our market now considering everything that's going on compared to what the environment was like two, three years ago when everything was just doing really well and running rampant because of the low interest rate and loose Fed environment we were in. So that doesn't mean that you should take all your index funds and go to an active manager. It doesn't mean that you should make any switches. Again, this is not investment advice at all. This is more of just looking back and then looking ahead, understanding what's different between those two time periods and what could end up taking place, not saying that it will, I'm not recommending anybody making any changes based off of this, but it just provides an idea of what the environment might look like as we move ahead in 2023, 24, 25, and so on. So again, last point, and I'll nail it again, this is not investment advice. If this sounds like something that you may want to pursue or learn more about, I recommend reaching out to your financial professional. If you don't have a financial professional, I'd love to have a consultation with you to share with you how my firm operates and how I work with clients specifically having to do with this every single day. So again, there you have it. That's what happened in the last 10 years and what I anticipate happening in the next 10 years and how I think investment portfolio management is going to change because it's cyclical um, in the next handful of years. If this topic was interesting or if there's any other questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about, email podcast at farmdfp.com. Also, if you're interested, I offer free consultations for clients who want to understand if what they're going through financially is going to be impacted by anything I talk about in these podcast episodes. And if you feel that's the case, feel free to head to my website at farmdfp.com and schedule your free consultation today. Until next time, FarmD Nation, be well.
The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.